Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 426, being recorded on the 6th of June, 2022, with special guest Audrey Long. I'm Sujit, and on Teams with me, we have Kale, and of course, our special guest, Audrey, who we're going to get to in just a minute. But before that, let's just cover a few updates uh, from the past week. I know we had Bill just a week before, Kale, so not a whole lot of updates, but still, they still managed to squeeze in a few of them in this past week. I noticed you put a few. You want to get started with us? Yeah, sure. These aren't product-specific, uh, the ones I'll give you. So like a lot of the product-specific stuff, platform updates and things like that, as Sajit mentioned, was it build. Uh, but these are a little bit more a higher level. Um, so the first one I had was around your skilling in Azure. And, and what I mean by that is you know, how to kind of ramp up uh, your knowledge of you know Azure technologies and services and things like that. Obviously, the podcast is is a great place uh, to get started for that stuff. But uh, and that's what we try to kind of get across to to our listeners. But you know, there's uh, something else that was introduced here called an Azure Skills Navigator. Um, you can go to. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, and this basically kind of walks through you know different kind of roles and and knowledges and skills around different areas like if you're a developer versus like an architect uh, or something like that so basically um it's kind of a portal to help you kind of guide whatever different role that you kind of want to play uh in using azure um as i mentioned like there's a bunch more than just architects and developers obviously data engineers and data scientists and administrators and all kinds of things so a uh, good link out here uh, to this and some stuff on GitHub around that, uh, this new site that we kind of launched to help help you folks. And then the second one was around uh, SQL Server. Um, this was kind of, this was from the CVP of the database services, uh, talking about, you know, managed instances for mission-critical mission workloads uh, and kind of talks through about, like, different things, comparing them, um, talking about the Azure Virtual Machines on AWS even. Uh, so it talks through all those different pieces around our data platform uh, and, and even some of our partners, like I mentioned, H&R Block in here, around mission-critical, you know, SQL Server data workloads. Um, the goal is here, right, to bring some light to, you know, as things are changing in the world and, uh, you know, prices change, digital transformations are happening in companies, uh, making sure you're aware of, you know, fully managed database services like uh, SQL Server. Yeah, with all the NoSQL talk going on these days, it's easy to forget that SQL Server is still the king or the queen, <laughs> whatever you want to call that. Uh, so, uh, so I'm going to uh, just switch to a few of my updates, uh, three of them. Uh, two of them actually were related to new VMs. Uh, one is a storage optimized uh, VM uh, for in Azure now. I think they're the LS series, and this is essentially if you want to run something like uh, you know a SQL Server uh, in Azure where you need storage, low latency, high throughput. Uh, if you're uh, or if you're running, let's say your own homegrown MongoDB uh, NoSQL database uh, where you still need that high throughput. So there's the new L LS series. 
And um, another new series is for artificial intelligence applications. So if you do have AI style apps where you need a lot of uh, you know GPU power, uh, there's the new uh, NCA100 series of VMs that are available in a few regions right now. And they have uh, the NVIDIA 8A, 8A100, 80GB tensor core uh, CPUs, uh, GPUs, I should say, and all of the uh, high throughput for uh, the storage as well. So definitely take a look at those two if uh, you know if you have those kind of uh, use cases. And finally, I think we may have missed this uh, last week, but the Microsoft Container Registry has now been renamed to the Microsoft Architect Artifact Registry. And uh, you can go there to look at all the container images that Microsoft uh, puts out there. And they automatically come from uh, the ones that are from Docker Hub, automatically come through from Docker Hub there. So there's one place where if you want to find out what the official images are for any Microsoft products, you can go to the Microsoft Artifact Registry website. Uh, Hang on a second there, Rajid, on that one. You just said something about they automatically come through from the Docker Hub. So if there's something published on the Docker Hub repo today, you're saying it will automatically, transparently just show up in this new thing? or The Microsoft artifacts published on Docker Hub. So, you know, Docker Hub uh, has uh, the Microsoft official um, uh, images, images yeah. as well. Um, yeah. So you don't have to go to two places. You can just go to the Microsoft artifact registry and look for them and it'll pull the ones that Microsoft, the MCR hosts, right? MCR is its own registry kind of thing. And then the ones that come from Docker. So this is supposed to be moving more to like a hub model where there's a single place where you can get all your artifacts from. Uh, gotcha. I'm assuming in the future, they'll expand that to other uh, other repositories as well. Okay. Cool, sounds good. Well, uh, that's all the updates I have. Uh, let's turn the mic over to our special guest, Audrey. Audrey, thank you so much for joining us today. We're, you know, it's uh, Audrey and I have been working on an engagement uh, with a customer and I was uh, very impressed with her uh, background in security when it comes to Azure, and she had some nice uh, topics she wanted to discuss with us uh, relates to Defender on Azure, uh, which is not something that you know we would think of right away, right? Using something like Defender on Azure. So, but anyway, I don't want to steal her thunder on that. Uh, Audrey, please go ahead and explain, you know, uh, uh, tell the, uh, our audience uh, what your background is, uh, you know, and your passion for in Azure, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. You know, I'm so excited to be here and thank you so much for the opportunity on being on your amazing podcast. Um, so, yeah, just to give you guys a little bit of background, um, I'm Audrey. I'm a senior security software engineer at CSE. Um, I work specifically in a security solution area. And what that means is I sit in with lots of dev crews and lots of engagements and customers, and I'll help write their help write code with them or help assess security architectures or go through any kind of security problem sets that are super difficult for you know customers trying to introduce their new services onto Azure. Um, so that's what I do at my job. Um, I actually just graduated um, uh, actually a few weeks ago with my master's degree in cybersecurity from Johns Hopkins. So you know, really happy that that's over. <laughs> Thank you. And um, tomorrow I actually have a presentation um, for a paper that I'm publishing for that uh, for that security effort too. So you know, lots of really great things are happening right now. Um, security is also a big passion of mine. 
Uh, as an undergrad, I was a computer science major and, uh, you know, fell in love uh, when I had to do co-ops and internships uh, in the security field. And that's when I decided, like, yes, I'm going to be a software engineer, but, you know, I really love and have a passion for all things security. So, you know, that's why I'm here and I'm so happy to be here. And yes, you're right. So today we're going to talk about uh, Microsoft Defender for Cloud. Um, and, you know, this is like a, a new kind of concept. However, it has old bearings within Azure. And what I was trying to hope to do with this conversation was demystify it a little bit. Because um, before, you know, we had uh, a few separations of these Azure services, and now they kind of are clumping them all under one umbrella and it, it makes it a little confusing, um, probably a little bit ambiguous. Like I know some people out there are probably thinking like what actually is Defender for Cloud and what offerings does it have? And, you know, I would also like to tie back in this talk about how I use Defender for Cloud with some of the customer engagements that I work with and, you know, some of the insights and potential new new features to be on the lookout for. So. Uh yeah, so, so that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Audrey. So give us a little bit of history. You mentioned that uh, the Defender for Cloud has been some sort of uh, evolution as such in terms of security on Azure on the cloud. So what are some of the things that we may have seen in the past and uh, and explain to us how they're changing when it comes to Defender? Yeah, absolutely. So, so for example, there used to be like the advanced uh, security protection uh, that you could actually turn on within Azure and then you could see things such like a secure score and then all the security recommendations. And that was in the security center, sorry if I misspoke, in Azure. Um, but now they try to group not only the, the offerings from Azure, but the, offer, the offerings from Microsoft 365 as well, like uh, for Endpoint. And now you have the new Azure Defender for IoT, which is its own kind of separate stack that's also being grouped under this Azure umbrella. Um, so just to kind of make things clear, um, so there, what I'm going to be going over today is going to be more in the Azure Defender for Cloud side of the house. And I'll kind of go over that um, in the different sorts of breakdowns on what that actually means, because it's actually not just one service. It's actually many different branchings and offerings of services in, in one location now, one's Azure. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my question because my limited exposure to Defender so far has, I was like, okay, do I just turn this thing on and then I'm good? Or is it like I turn this thing on and then I have to turn a bunch of other things on? So maybe if you could talk through what's that look like, because there's definitely a way to turn Defender on for cloud. But then I was like, is that it? Like, or what else do I have to do to uh, get benefit from this? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll, we'll break all of that down. So let me just kind of jump into it. Um, and so first, I would like to say that Microsoft really has a passion for making sure that all of its users, it's all of its services are secure. Um, they, they follow three major principles. I'm sure everyone's heard of it. It's like a big buzzword right now. It's called the zero trust principles. And Microsoft really does, you know, value these principles. And if you're not sure what zero trust is, um, I'm not going to go super into it, but I will give you the three uh, that Microsoft uses. So the first zero trust principle is to verify explicitly, to always authenticate and authorize based on available data points, including the user identity, location, device health, service workload, data classification, and anomalies. The second principle goes over using least privilege access which limits user access with just-in-time or just-enough access, uh, risk-based adaptive policies, and data protection to help secure both data and productivity. And then the last principle is assume breach, which minimizes the blast radius and uh, segments access. 
So basically it's to verify end-to-end -end encryption and use analytics to get visibility and drive threat detection and improve defenses. And with those zero trust principles in mind, you'll really start to see um, what Azure Defender really can offer to you, your customers, you know, your solutions um, in order to ensure that you have a safe environment. So let's jump into it. <laughs> so Defender for Cloud. Um, so I know you guys are probably wondering what actually is it? So it's, a, it's many things, um, but at, the, at a high level, it's a security posture management um, cloud work protection platform. <laughs> That's quite quite a mouthful. Uh, you can use it for you know Azure services. You can use it on prem. Uh, you can also use it for multi cloud resources. And a lot of those multi cloud resources are still in the works. You know some of those are getting ironed out. But you can use Defender for both um, AWS and Google Cloud provider as well. So the three main things that Azure Defender for Cloud actually offers you is continuous. Uh, it continuously assesses your subscription. And what that means is it, it looks at your security posture um, for both uh, in Defender for the Cloud Secure Score. And the Cloud Secure Score is a really interesting metric that you can actually look at to see the overall health of your subscription. And it does that by looking through everything that you have available to you in your, your subscription. It looks through your resource groups. It looks at all of the assets. It'll actually tell you based on what it does with its scanning to see if there are actually um, you know, vulnerabilities, if there are any kind of misconfigurations. And it takes the, the subset of what you have in your subscription and it actually calculates what's known as a secure score. So the higher the score, generally the more secure your, um, your assets are. And you have a question. Yeah, so uh, uh, that, that, I mean, it sounds like uh, you turned this on at the subscription level, right? I was thinking yes. about, you know, I'm going to spin up uh, like a web uh, web app maybe, and I want to make sure that it's protected, right? Or I have a storage account and maybe that has to be protected. Is it, so when we think about this, we don't think about it as a single resource that you're trying to protect. You're looking at it from the entire subscription or does it go further than that as to the tenant as well? Like I'm trying to see what the scope of uh, the defender may be. Yeah, so it does actually go through uh, the subscription um, for this portion of it, but actually later on, you'll see that Defender actually has many branches, and um, I can actually jump into that real fast for you. Um, so let me just grab my list because there is a list. So this is what I'm going to go through. First of all, the three service offerings that Defender for Cloud actually has available to you when you turn it on in your subscription. Then Defender for Cloud also branches off into subsets. And the subsets are Defender for Servers, Defender for Storage, Defender for SQL, Defender for Containers, Defender for App Service, Defender for Key Vault, Defender for Resource Manager, Defender for DNS, Defender for Open Source Relational Databases, and finally, uh, um, Defender for Azure Cosmos DB, which is in preview. Um, I would also like to add um, a new one, Azure Defender for DevOps which is also in private preview, which is really exciting. And, you know, Sujit, I know we're working together and you'll hopefully get to see this one firsthand and how it actually is working out. So hopefully that gives a little bit more clarity on what Azure Defender for Cloud actually is. <laughs> so it, 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 it gives you... It okay. does, uh, but I want to uh, try and uh, you know make it a little bit more real for me. Uh, sure. Let's say we we're doing it at... Um, Let's say the key vault level, right? That's that's yep. that that was one that I was not expecting actually. So let's talk about key vault. So what does it mean to have defender for key vault? What what exactly does that mean? Yeah, sure. Um, so I can jump right into that one. I was going to go a little bit into the overview of all of them, but let's start with that one. So 
if you enable um, Azure Defender for Key Vault, uh, so that's an Azure native, you know, advanced threat protection for Key Vault. And what that means is, you know, there is a, a small fee associated it, with it, but it does actually have some really interesting anomaly detections that uh, come with that enablement. So essentially, if you enable this feature in Key Vault, it will detect unusual behavior and potential harmful access to your Key Vault. Um, so it does that, and once it actually detects any of these, like, hey, there's a lot of access that's happening from some random user. I don't know who this user is, but they keep trying to access the Key Vault. It'll actually send out email notifications to let you aware of that uh, actually happening. Um, but other than that kind of um, detection and um, like email notification, that's the first set of features that's actually available to you in Azure for Key Vault, uh, Defender for Key Vault. But there are more features coming out. Um, I can't get into the specifics of those features, but you know, more to come. And is there another question? Yeah, along with that, and maybe I'm jumping ahead. So if I am, just say, hey, just wait, I'll get to that. Uh, sure. Is uh, you, you mentioned like notifications, right? So specifically, yeah. like Key Vault is very sensitive, right? Because there's keys or certificates or anything else held there. Yep. So getting an email that says, hey, there's this anomaly detected is one thing. But mm -hmm. like, is there also like ways to configure it that it actually like proactively takes measures to help you as opposed to just notifying you, meaning like shut down stuff or or not allow something to happen so that you're protected? Right, that's a great and excellent question. Um, for now, um, this is all that's offered for you in Defender for Key Vault. But like I said, the future holds many potential possibilities and better integration and probably even more um, like real time um, mitigations. So um, I would definitely look forward to that in the future. Cool. Yes, another one. <laughs> yeah, and I had a follow up on that. Sure. So, uh, you know, when you explained about Key Vault, it was very interesting. And I understand now what, what Defender for Key Vault does. But I'm thinking back to when we had, I think it was Sarah Young uh, a while ago, uh, she talked about uh, Sentinel, right? Azure Sentinel mm -hmm. uh, as uh, being that kind of, oh, you know, we're going to do some machine learning on all of your activity and the subscription or whatever and figure out what's going on, right? And I don't know, in my head, I, I can't uh, seem to stop thinking that maybe this, this what you're describing is similar to that. Uh, is it, are they overlapping via services or are they distinct? Uh, when you talk of Defender and Sentinel? Yeah, so I think that they would probably be distinct. Um, but generally with all of these scanning um, kind of capabilities that come with all these services, um, we can't utilize a lot of the same rule sets throughout every service only because, you know, you really want to cater your scanning seat to whatever service that you're involved with just to make it more robust and ensure that any kind of actual detection um, is not like just a false positive. Um, we're trying to really extract and great, generate the true positives to make sure that you are safe against, you know, adversaries at Microsoft. And, you know, <clears throat> that's exactly what the Key Vault team is doing as well with Defender for Key Vault. And there's also new, you know, interesting features coming out in regards to key rotation too. So that's another thing to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead yeah. and discuss that you were going to tell us some of the others uh, Defender options or services. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just going quickly back to the secure score, um, that's that's kind of one of the things that you get for free too with Azure Defender is you get the secure score. And it's really interesting because um, the secure score also comes with something called, you know, secure recommendations. And the recommendations 
uh, most of the time will actually tell you right then and there, oh, you have this, you know, VNet miscommitted, or hey, there, you know, you forgot to enable like MFA for this, um, you know, here's how you can do it. And uh, some of the features even have like quick fix, like one click button features where you can actually go in and enable them, which is really nice. And um, I can say to you, like working in, in CSE and like getting to be on all these different engagements, I'm honestly surprised to not see so many people using this because it's just a really easy thing to add. It's really easy to see and just like even just going through and just doing the one click on those recommendations or maybe even having that customer discussion or a discussion with your team like why don't we want MFA enabled actually? Is that something that we're, we're considering in the future or maybe there's just not enough time on this project? Maybe we can throw it in the backlog. Maybe it hasn't even been considered yet. Um, so that's what I really... Oh yeah. Go One on. question on that secure score. Like, sure. should I think about that as like, is it like all oh, 100 is best? So we're always trying to get to that, or is it more like relative? Like, hey, you get the score, and then you like compare it as you're doing things, and if you see your score go up and down, then you know something's going on. How should I think about that score? Like, yeah. So as you know, like 100 is a perfect score. Uh, we're never gonna like you'll if you do a hundred perfect score like <laughs> your security team's gonna really like you, that you have but no service all... it's shut down. yeah yeah you, like, you're like are. the you're like the pentagon or something like yeah it's completely <laughs> closed <laughs> nobody right. can get it <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh, in general too like that that's just almost never going to be the case to be honest like just really looking through that those those lists um and then seeing you know it gets recalculated based on like what's actually in your subscription and you know there is going to be a feature coming out in the future where you can do it on like resource group levels as well. So it can be eventually more contained, but for now, you know, the subscription base is where we're at. Um, and, you know, it, it really does just kind of give you that insight and hopefully like gives you more of a security mindset when you think about building applications in the future. Cause let's be honest, you know, um, as developers, we have a lot to do. <laughs> Sometimes like just working on the feature and the user story that you're working on uh, is hard enough and then picking up the next one and you're back to square one. I'm like, okay, how do I do this? How do I get this to work? How do I get it to a, you know, completion and then work put in PR and then I have all these comments. So um, sometimes we don't think about security um, in regards to, you know, development and in regards to we're finished with this now, what, what do we do next, you know, in regards to handing it off. And sometimes when we hand it off, the security team will stop you right there and be like, whoa, you didn't actually do X, Y, and Z, so this can't get into production. And these are real things that I've personally witnessed. And that's actually what, what I'm trying to do with all these engagements and with all of my, my work here is to try to make sure that we actually have a good relationship and we understand what actually needs to be done so we can see some of these projects going into production right away. And you have a question. Yeah, so is it also, and maybe we'll get to this, but like um, something where like, it sounded like when you introduced this that like Microsoft has a lot of intelligence around this kind of stuff. Like, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing this or you should think about why you're doing this. But what about if the company has specific policies, right? And says, hey, this thing's not inherently like dangerous, but it is to my company, right? So in right. general, it might not be. Is that is that something they can put in there too? Like custom roles or Absolutely. policies or something? Yeah. Yes, you, you can absolutely add custom rule sets and custom policies. And actually, a lot of the you know the um, rec recommendations and a lot of the secure score is actually calculated based on the Microsoft threat intelligence landscape that we have here, which is really great because there's tons and tons of amazing security researchers at Microsoft that literally do nothing but understand the threat landscape. 
of the Azure services, you know, do lots of research on attacks that are happening and then, you know, using those attacks against the services that we have in Azure to make sure that we have, you know, all the all of the, the newest and latest um, scanning mechanisms in these like Azure Defender services too. So, um, you know, the threat intelligence is absolutely something that we take for granted here at Microsoft. And you're right, you know, other companies do have their own policies and do have the option to attach like your own policies and whatnot, um, especially with the rule sets, um, depending on which service you use, uh, for example, like Sentinel, you can absolutely inject your own rule sets in Sentinel to, to find against like, this is like a company X specific thing that we see all the time. Um, we want to make sure it only stays with company X, but we want to, you know, find it using Sentinel. So that those are absolutely offerings. Um, in regards to the Defender Suite, um, I'm not entirely sure which services off the top of my head you can actually add your own custom rule sets to, because um, I personally have never had to explore that. But I'm sure that there are custom rule sets out there. And um, I can tell you now too, like the Defender team is really receptive to feedback. Um, so me personally, I, I work with them very closely. I give them, you know, customer feedback and I give them my own feedback in regards to how some things can be better. And we can talk about that in some of the other features sets when we go down that line. Um, but yeah, just know that they're they hear you. So if you write some kind of recommendation or feedback, it doesn't just go into the, the ether. It actually goes into a, a conversation. And then if it's really impactful, it goes into a backlog. Does this the other follow up question I had to that was around and maybe this is like service specific for a defender thing, but like we I think we had some folks on here talking about purview in the past. So things like data governance where it's not really that, that's more of an M365 thing, I would say, like not just yeah. Azure. Does it work with that, too? Like it can like respect things coming out of purview or. Yeah, so sorry, I don't actually have, uh, I haven't used Purview yet, okay. <laughs> so I don't, I don't okay. have the insight on that. I actually just heard about it during Microsoft Build for the first time. So it's like, oh, cool, that's definitely something to check out. And uh, for me personally, you know, like with the engagements that I'm on, um, sometimes I can only like really investigate the ones that are like immediate um, to, to working on that at, at Microsoft. But yes, Purview has definitely been on my list, and it's one of those really interesting and easy to, easy to, to work looking tools for, you know, your governance and your your structure, um, posture, and security. So I know you're going to cover some of the other ones, but I'm most uh, keen on hearing about IoT, uh, Defender for IoT. Uh, so uh, I'm wondering if you could cover that first. Yeah, sure. Let me go ahead and uh, get to those notes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Microsoft Defender for IoT, is, it's really interesting. Um, this space is actually something that I'm really passionate about. Um, because before my time at Microsoft, I actually used to be an embedded security engineer. So, you know, just kind of seeing what Azure is doing with with the embedded space in the, you know, the machine factory floor people is really cool. So Defender for IoT really does hone in on protecting IoT, OT, and industrial control system environments. Now, if, that's, if those are new concepts for you, um, I can tell you that it's pretty far down a stack. So in general, if you have your classical stack, you know, you have um, a layer that, you know, reaches out to the network and then that network reaches out to the cloud and then the cloud will do all your Azure computing for you and it'll come back down, you know, to to whatever like uh, agent that you have installed um, at the top of that layer. And then that perhaps can like bubble up or bubble down depending on what information to do with that. 
Um, so in regards to what OT actually is, it's a little bit further down the stack. And it, it's, it sits between the layer of, you know, IT and the firewalls and um, actually the, the devices themselves. So the fact that Azure IoT for Defender um, is actually really considering, like, how far down can we actually go on premises to, to, you know, configure and give any kind of insights up to the cloud for you to, you know, store in the database, like have like some kind of like real time data on your 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 processes and your you know um, IoT devices. It's just it's super interesting. So let me go a little bit more into that too. So uh, Defender for IoT, you know, it actually delivers an agent an agentless security uh, solution for continuously monitoring uh, all of those operational technology devices in industrial and critical infrastructure networks. So by incorporating, you know, this like IoT, OT awareness, um, what it does is actually take behavioral analytics from um, Microsoft's actually very re recent acquisition of this company called CyberX that actually really specializes in a lot of these like low level um, security insights. And, you know, it's available for on-premise deployments um, and it also has lots of interesting options such as it uses, you know, those agentless network monitoring to safely gain complete inventory of all IoT and OT assets. Uh, so that's really interesting too. Like just getting that inventory, is, that's a challenge. Um, so Audrey, <clears throat> Audrey, you said yeah. OT is what IoT and OT. What what does yeah. OT stand for? Yeah, so OT stands for operational technology, and okay. um, that that really is like in manufacturing kind of lingo. Uh, your layer between like a lot of your manufacturing floor devices. So honestly speaking, there's not too much of a difference between IT and OT. It's just a little bit more semantical. Um, but yes, sorry, should have uh, clarified that a little bit before jumping into it. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I like the space a lot. I think so so in the in the IoT scenario, you have, you know, I have these Raspberry Pi devices, let's say, right, mm -hmm. simplistic. <laughs> uh, so you have those, and let's say on the factory floor connected to some, some machinery, and then you may have uh, an edge device right on top of that, right, an IoT edge device, and then that would eventually connect it, say, to something like IoT Hub, right? I don't know what the new name is in Azure. I think they changed that name recently, but uh, but that but that's kind of the the various places. So are you, are, you, are we saying that with this agentless approach, we don't really need uh, like a process running on the on the actual IoT, like on the Raspberry Pi or in the hub? It can somehow uh, figure this out without having a local agent. Is that is that how you explained it? Yes, and. Um... So that's also like a really interesting concept of like what actually agentless is. Um, so agentless in computing, you know, it refers to operations where no service like a, a daemon or a process, like for example, an agent needs to run in the background of the machine uh, that the action is being performed on. So in reality, like all computer tasks re require related programs to run and these programs like could generally be, you know, agents. Um, but in this scenario, um, that's not needed um, for IoT, uh, for, sorry, Defender for IoT. Um, instead, you just can, you know, get that configured and it actually does not, um, it does not um, interfere with any kind of processing, which is also really important too, because as we know, like at that layer, um, any kind of processing is expen expensive in regards to, to performance. <laughs> so just having that awareness with like Azure IoT for Defender is really interesting. And um, just so you're aware too, to kind of get more into, you know, what the deployment option. 
kind of offer. It uses passive agentless network monitoring to safely gain a complete inventory of the OT assets uh, with zero impact to the performance, which, you know, reiterating that because that's really important. It identifies risks such as missing patches, open ports, unauthorized applications, and unauthorized subnet connections. So even at that layer, we can get that type of information uh, using Azure IoT for Defender is really important uh, because you know sometimes we don't even think about things like that when we're deep into a network stack like that. Like because generally we just look at the firewall that goes out into the open internet, and that's generally what we care about. But you know, these devices are really smart now. Like a Raspberry Pi, for example, like it basically has like a really powerful operating system for such a small device. And we don't think about like securing that and ensuring that like some you know patches or ports or unauthorized applications are actually on this device. Instead we just kind of and it's hard, let's be honest. So just ensuring that it's even connected and that it's working and we're even getting information from it is sufficient. Um, that's how we think about it. But at the end of the day, like, nope, these things are really smart. Like your refrigerator, for example, like it's pretty smart if you get one of those smart refrigerators and you start to wonder like, do I need my refrigerator to actually be this smart? <laughs> you know, those are questions that I think about every day. So Wait, like, I don't yeah, think I do. I can see Defender for Fridges coming soon now. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, Defender for Fridges <laughs> coming soon. So um, the the other one that caught my uh, eye was the uh, Defender for Servers. I think is that what you uh, how you described it when you were going through it originally? Defender for Servers. Yes, um, absolutely. So let me actually go back to my defense um, notes. Sorry. I'm sorry if I'm jumping around, but <laughs> no, I want to no, make most fine. use of your time. <laughs> yeah. So Defender for Servers. Um, I can touch this briefly, but um, I can also I have interest in talking about Defender for Storage as well because there is a really interesting new feature that's coming out for that um, that I'd like to touch base on. But yeah, so let's talk about Defender for Servers. So, def, you know, as you actually alluded to at the beginning of this talk, uh, Defenders for Servers is really important. And servers, SQL servers, you know, any kind of server is being used still today. Um, you know, we don't see that falling out of fashion anytime soon. And uh, Microsoft Defender for Servers uses threat detection and advanced defenses for, you know, Windows, Linux machine, uh, and both in hybrid cloud environments, also like AWS and Google Cloud Provider, as well as it can be utilized on premise. And, you know, there's many, there's a few different plans that you can actually activate for, you know, Defender for servers. And depending on which plan that you activate gives you a, a wide suite of scanning solutions and scanning options. So just to kind of quickly jump into the benefits for that, um, there's a vulner there's vulnerability assessment tools that you can actually utilize on the Defender for Servers that you can use to scan, you know, your your disk, your your or just like any kind of file integrity, which is really interesting because um, they they have like multiple different rule sets that they put on Defender for Servers that look at you know that that in that um, intrusion detection that could happen on files and throughout the network. Um, so that's really interesting. It also, you know, provides like just-in-time VM access. So you can lock down any kind of VM access and inbound traffic into, you know, any of these servers. Uh, like I said about the file integrity monitoring, there's also network hardening options that Defender for Servers offers. There's actually even Docker host hardening, which is like, that's an interesting kind of new feature that um, Defender for Servers also offers. And um, a lot of this information like I said, gets generated from the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Community as well as the Center for Internet Security. Um, so that's when where it comes the to agent or agentless. What is the approach here for Defender of Servers? 
Um, so this one, depending on what, if you do it on-prem or in the cloud, I do believe there is an agent solution if you do it on-prem. Okay. Got yes. It. So now quickly, I know we're we're coming to time, but I wanted yeah, to... Yeah, talk about the storage one that you, you wanted to share something on that. We'd love to hear that. Yeah, so, you know, Azure Defender for Storage, you know, this is an Azure native layer of security. It detects, you know, unusual activity on storage accounts by utilizing also the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Framework. And, you know, what it does, it's, it's really cool. It, it, it gathers indicators from a breadth and depth of sources to help you understand the threat landscape and help detect and prioritize um, any kind of attacks with a given context into in potential vulnerabilities within your storage accounts. So it actually continually analyzes the telemetry stream, and then it generates the um, it, that's generated from you know Azure Blob or like Azure File Services, and because of that, it'll it'll start to understand and give you like awareness of anything that's actually suspicious that's happening in a storage account. Um, but something that I really did want to you know iterate on that's coming soon is an anti-malware solution that's actually coming for Azure uh, Storage, and it's something that I've been working on. Uh, it's really interesting. So basically, anytime any kind of a blob gets uploaded, it's going to actually look, you know, through some of the that metadata, and it can tell you quickly if there contains any type of malware. Um, so that's a feature to really look for. I'm looking forward to. You know, I've been giving feedback to the Defender team about this. Um, it's been asked about for many of the engagements that I've been in. And to be honest with you, like it, it's a really interesting and robust solution that can quarantine you know, any kind of like uh, malicious looking uh, malware files. And, you know, that's something that maybe some people don't think about is, oh, malware in the cloud. Yeah, that still happens. And that's still something we need to be vigilant about. <laughs> that's good. Hey, Kale, uh, you know, we have the podcast hosted on uh, Azure Storage. So I think I'm going to turn that on, uh, turn on okay. Defender for <laughs> just make sure no one's trying to hack into our <laughs> into our podcast storage account. Uh, that's cool. Now that, that's some uh, really uh, good insights into that. Um, Anything else, uh, any of the other services that are uh, something that you want to share before? I know we can provide a full list to our readers, uh, to our listeners uh, in the show notes. Is there anything else that you would like to share uh, before we wrap up here, Audrey? Yeah, all I wanted to share is that, you know, Azure Defender for Cloud and lots of the Defender storage, or not storage, sorry, Defender solutions, uh, they're always growing and there's always more and more interesting features that are coming out for it. I, I would keep an, an, a lookout, you know, if you wanted to join any kind of a mailing list, to kind of get the feature set available to you. That's something I would recommend because I could tell you I'm on a few of them and I get so many, in, like so much info about all of these new things that are always coming out. So um, lots of great things in regards to Azure and CD, especially with the Defender Suite. Cool. Yeah, I like how you said that as developers, right? We're all developers and, uh, you know, we often don't think about uh, these things right at the back. It's nice to have almost like uh, somebody looking over your shoulder and saying, hey, by the way, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you know, keeping you honest uh, as you as you're building a solution. Absolutely. And, you know, security should be easy. It shouldn't be one of those hard things that we all dread. So the fact that Defender's making it easy for all of us is also like really a blessing. <laughs> Hale, anything else for Audrey? No, this was great. Thanks for coming on and sharing this. It's, it's helped a lot for me, so I'm sure it'll help our listeners too to understand uh, how the heck do I turn this thing on and uh, you know, what am I going to get out of it? So it was awesome. Thanks so much. Hey, not a problem. And yeah, there's a lot of topics I didn't cover here, but um, you know, there's definitely really great reading information out there, and I can pass that info to you guys as well. Thank you very much, Arthur. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, 
Find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.